You're listening to Industrial Evolution, where we're exploring how industrial enterprise leaders can use emerging technologies to stay competitive. I'm your host, Chad Perry, CTO, software engineer, and digital strategy expert, and I'm interviewing the most innovative companies in the world to reveal the future of how we make, grow, move, and power things. These are the pioneers who are shaping the future of manufacturing, agriculture, transportation, energy, and every other industrial sector. In each episode, we're looking at key technologies, state of the market, the challenges of adopting technology into an organization, and success stories of early adopters who have been able to revolutionize their business on the back of these innovations. You can find more episodes and guest information on our website, evolution.industrial.fm. Enjoy the show. Today, we're speaking with two individuals from Siemens, which of course is perhaps the most reputable industrial organization in the world, with 173 years of engineering excellence behind them, including both in-house manufacturing and professional services. Yet, one of the problems with being so successful is that companies tend to get stuck in their ways and lose their competitive edge. So Siemens has had to undergo their own transformation in recent decades, which has been underpinned in part by a capability that tends to be ignored by older institutions, and that is creativity. But today, we're not just talking about creativity in the artistic sense. We're talking about creativity as a skill that can be developed as the foundation of a larger digital transformation strategy. So this episode is going to be a little bit different in that we're not having a conversation about the latest technology. This is so much more than that. It's about your people and nurturing their ability to be truly innovative, to come up with radical new ideas and products and ways of doing things. And here with us to have that discussion are Joan Mulvihill and Dr. Julia Jonas. Joan is a digitalization lead for Siemens Ireland, while Julia is a senior consultant at Siemens Advanta, the professional services arm of Siemens out of Germany. But these aren't your average run-of-the-mill digital transformation leaders. In addition to being a multi-award winning former CEO of the Irish Internet Association, Joan is also a commissioned artist, meaning that she gets paid to indulge her passion for putting colors to canvas. And by extension, she represents the creative potential that goes untapped in many companies. And Julia's role at Advanta gives her a front row seat to the creativity challenges faced by the world's other leading industrial organizations that Siemens serves through management consulting. So all that to say, I am very excited to have you with us today. Joan, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for being here. And Julia, likewise. Yeah, great to be here. Hello. Let's get right into it. Joan, this all started with you and a painting hanging behind you on a video call. So can you give me a quick rundown of how you arrived in this position as both a professional artist and a digitalization leader at Siemens? I'll start with the artist part first, because I did that first. So I painted all my life, but um, it was a couple of years ago, I started experimenting with new techniques. And it comes, I think, a little bit with getting older and more mature that you have the confidence to break out of the conventions of what you think art is. And you really become an artist beyond 
painting pretty things, you start breaking some boundaries and doing it your own way. And and I think that convention breaking part is the differentiator between a painter and an artist. So that really took off for me in the last couple of years. And shortly after that, I joined Siemens, which I think is a really interesting timing because we talk a lot about diversity and inclusion, but the really key word in a lot of ways is belonging. And when you find yourself in an organization where you truly belong, it's it's one where you feel that the differences about you are really accepted and cherished. And I think Siemens is such a creative organization. I felt very much so that my two worlds had collided because there's a lot of overlap between a concept for a painting and how that translates into an idea and execution. And likewise, when we talk about digitalization and digital transformation, it should start with a concept that then you know generates ideas and then we take that into execution. So it's been a really uh, glorious couple of years for me in terms of how my two worlds have collided. And Julia, I know that you emerged from a postdoc a few years back. So what led you to this role as a digital transformation expert at Siemens? Well, my passion is really about co-creation. So I have been in innovation management for about 13 years now. I had a sparkle in university where I did learn about service logic about how to fulfill uh, how innovation can fit in with customer needs and how to how to learn about techniques and tools how to step into the customer shoes how to tap the knowledge implicit and explicit of users of things to innovate and also to translate between the different disciplines involved in innovation so I've actually had quite some practical experience in open innovation consultancy and project implementation, actually already at that time with Siemens as an external supplier. And then as a postdoc, I really dealt intensively and in, in, in my science niche um, with how, how co-creation, how the different ways of co-creation and stakeholder creation can help innovation, not only to start exist, but make its way towards implementation. Yeah, this is why I wanted to have this conversation because you are coming at this from two very different origins, from two different angles, and yet you're intersecting at the same point. So Joan, you speak a lot on digital transformation. And one of the things that you note is that you rarely talk about technology, that it's the conceptual part at the start where businesses are struggling. And I believe that you likened it to Ford making faster horses versus inventing a car. So let's start with the big picture. Why are organizations struggling with this? For a lot of organizations, as I say, the Ford analogy, if you'd asked the market what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. If they'd limited themselves to a faster horse, we would never have had the car. And there is a tendency in organizations to, as they evolve over time, they limit themselves to evolution and to getting better and better at what they're currently doing without actually looking at that bigger picture of the market and saying, where is the market going? So I think they they struggle when it comes to um, focusing on getting very, very good at what they currently do. Um, 
rather than breaking outside the box and thinking what is possible. So, you know, Chad, you and I have spoken before about this concept of how you take art principles and apply them into technology. Um, so I have uh, I have a quote for everything on this, but one of the Solowit sentences on uh, conceptual art frames this perfectly. Uh, it was sentence number 34 when he said that when an artist learns her art too well, it becomes slick art. So when we focus on faster horses projects, doing what we currently do better, more, so a horse that sleeps less, never gets sick, needs less hay or nuts or whatever, we're limited. And so we learn our art really, really well. And then we just create slick art. And I think that's the challenge. We focus on being slick and that's where we lose some of our real innovation and our innovation spark. And it's to how do we create an environment where we have people who feel empowered and free to come up with the concept of let's ditch the horse. Let's look at what's going on in the market. How is there another way of getting people from A to B? It doesn't have to be a horse. So that's that, uh, that, that concept of concept. So look at the ecosystem, look at the value, which is the concept that you're creating for the customer and see, is there another different, better way of doing that? So that's the, the cultural piece of empowerment, the focusing on the concept, the value that you're adding to the customer and not limiting ourselves always to faster horses projects, which, you know, for Siemens do really, really well. I mean, if you want to make your operation slick and lean and agile, great people to talk to. But if you want to, if you are prepared to take the leap, the leap to consider what the car option is for your organization, that's where, you know, people like, like Julia are so important in terms of how we interact with customers because it's helping them to imagine the car. Julia mentioned, you know, her specialism really is co-creation. And you can imagine Sol Lewitt, the conceptual artist, also had a line for that when he talked about art, <laughs> because he said the words of one artist may induce a chain of ideas if they share the same concept. So that's about a customer and Advanta or Siemens Advanta coming together, sharing a concept around value and what happens when you bring the artistry of the two of those together. There are several sources of inspiration that I know that you draw that can be framed in the context of the business. But I want to come back to the original question real quick and turn it over to Julia, because this is very much an organizational strategic planning problem. If leaders are having a problem getting started, they're missing something. And so there are two problems that I think that are surfaced here. One is that there's just this big picture conceptual, where do we start? We want to be a more innovative organization. And then the second is that the angle that we're approaching this from is we know that organizations are missing creativity and they're missing out on the potential of creativity that is perhaps trapped in people like Joan, who might have be poets, might be artists, might be whatever form of artist it is. So Julia, what is going on at the strategic level? 
Well, first of all, I have to refuse that there is a lack of creativity. I think there is different types of creativity and there is different ways on tackling specific uh, problems. And I think in innovation, we have to distinguish between disruptive radical innovation, where you need that big spark and uh, great vision about doing things that have been done completely in completely new ways that maybe not only change the thing the ways a company has been doing things but maybe even the way a whole industry has been doing things so that's that's turning things upside down or like changing in multiple ways the things that we do and then we have this more continuous innovation and step-by-step innovation, which Joan has um, already put into the corner of trying to do the things that we have been doing in an even better, even more efficient way. And somewhere in between these is innovating because of trying to solve problems, like having this sense, having the possibility to sense and actually recognize that there is a need to find new solutions, to have the antennas and the the, the sensors, and we're speaking digital here, um, for for finding out, well, here is a potential to act upon, or here is something where our customer are facing a problem and we can solve this by creating the right solution for something. So, and I, th- I guess there is different types of creativity needed for these different scenarios. What would you say about that, Joan? Chad said, you know, whether it's artists or sculptors or musicians, I think it's not about finding your, your metier, your, your art. It's, it's actually the creative skill and it's the ability to think in that way. And that is creativity as a core skill. That is not creativity attached to artistry but that principles of those can be brought into it. It's just a way of thinking. It's, it's, I always liken it to a muscle in our brain that just needs to be exercised so that it gets fit. So coming back to your question, Chad, looking at that from a strategic perspective, I think that managers need to foster all these kinds of innovation and fostering or helping radical innovation Well, you need to be really brave and you have to have also a lot of resources that help fulfill a vision that's not at arm's length to be achieved. But for continuous innovation, um, I guess the key word is really about empowerment, like giving your, your employees the freedom and also the trust, but also the, um, responsibility to take these issues up and actually put that into innovation projects and go beyond that. So there is different different strategic levels behind different types of innovation. And in an ideal world, they're all fostered simultaneously. I really like the way that you put that. So it's definitely not that there's a lack of creativity. And I think that this actually exposes Uh, ironically, I mean, I'm the one asking the question and this exposes a bias that at least I have as an engineer and that I think that probably exists in organizations as well is that there's, I have one idea of creativity and that is Joan the artist. And that is absolutely not 
I mean, that's part of the problem. The problem is the the idea of creativity. And that's what I wanted to explore here. So I, I think that that was spot on that it is a problem of exposing that creativity and nurturing it. And with that, I want to actually come back to you, Joan, because you already mentioned this artist, Sol LeWitt. And I wanted to ask you more about your inspiration, because I think that if we if we understand kind of where you're coming from, we can draw parallels to perhaps other types of individuals in the organization and learn how to better nurture that and extract that. So there's this concept of artful knowing as an extension of design thinking. And you've also been personally inspired by Sol Lewitt's 35 statements on artistic creativity that it sounds like could easily be mistaken for a manifesto on digital innovation, even though that's not what it was at all intended for. So first of all, what is artful knowing? I'm involved in an ownership, uh, pra- ownership culture practitioners group in Siemens. And I was introduced to artful knowing by a former colleague, uh, David Buggy. Um, so artful knowing is a concept uh, developed by uh, Chris Seeley from Ashridge College. Um, and she gave a lot of consideration to how we look at creativity in organizations and, um, and how we foster it to drive innovation and culture. And typically, we think about creativity exactly as you described it, Chad, in terms of the artist. And we put, where are the creative people in our organization? Well, they, they work in that entertainment part, you know, when we're running events. Uh, or then, or they're involved in branding in the, you know, that, the, the, and I have a master's in marketing, so I say this with absolute respect to my marketing colleagues, but we talk about creativity. Oh, that belongs in the marketing department. You know, the, that, that's where all the creative people are. And then it, it kind of moved into, design thinking and so well okay so creativity has a as a space there in terms of technology and we talk a lot about how we develop technology using design thinking which is all around empathy and human-centric approach to what we develop but she said to go further and to go further is into artful knowing and that was the the fourth quadrant really of creativity in an organization and it's the bit that talks much more about um, how, where and how we question what is normal. Artful knowing in an organization is the organization who said, who use creativity to question norms, which is really important for all of us. It is the kind of creativity in an organization that can change the culture of an organization and how it's even organized and how it functions. Um, it's concerned with the evolution of society. So we think about artful knowing that kind of creativity it's that strategic level that julia was talking about which is you know changing entire industries or how things are done and how we move forward uh, whether it's question you know answering big questions around sustainability and privacy and all of that but it is centered in learning by doing rather than learning by thinking i'm really loving that my colleague julia used the words sensing and how we sense things. And sensing is very different to thinking. There is an emotional concept or a context there. And it is artful knowing is that part of an organization that that part of using creativity in an organization that can be truly transformative, not only in terms of the, the industry or sector in which someone is working, how the world functions, but also just in terms of how an organization functions within itself, 
and how it fosters creativity. It does involve, you know, risk. It is more ambiguous. It is, you know, in those cracks and those gray areas that that beautiful creative ideas come forward. But it is about not limiting creativity around a structure of entertainment, branding and design thinking and letting it free and loose in an organization in an organized way. Julia, I want to put a little bit more structure around this. The the structure that I'm thinking of is that if you're coming at this from an objective orientation where you you have outcomes in mind, the outcomes are going to be let's transform our organization into an organization that has more disruptive ideas, let's say. Can you can you maybe give me can you maybe expand on that a little bit and talk about how leadership either does or should see this difference between step change innovation and radical innovation? What I like to think of in innovation is a lot of co-creation and co-creation in a way where you're trying to do either new things or change the ways that things are being done today. So you want to disrupt the current status quo. And that you can only do by designing the new status quo. So, of course, you need to have this vision about where you want to go or the problem that you want to tackle. But you want to find out how you can actually establish new ways of doing things. And I, I, I truly believe, and that's not only my Siemens self speaking here, but really like the co-creation enthusiast that I developed to be in the past decade or so is where you bring together, especially the customers, specific stakeholders from within the organization and the team that's supposed to do innovation and that's most likely not innovators. That can be the marketing team, that can be product development, that can be technicians. And they have to set somehow, they have to establish an environment and set a frame of secure space to work together to A, analyze how things are being done today to see, oh, how are we actually interacting? Because oftentimes the flow of processes and how things are being handed over and back is not 100% clear to everyone. And then take some of those building bricks, reorganize them, and then also put in new shapes as well to create new processes. Because in the end, whenever it's about anything digital, it's about processes it's hardware is something that would support those processes uh, services as we use them in our natural language are always processes so you want to find out how how can this process look like and where can we find the ideal compromise how to go through so there is a win-win situation for everyone in the end and to create these safe spaces and to create these um, environments where even diversity can be manifested in terms of there is an opportunity to see different perspective and bring together the expertise of many different people because in the end it's the, it's their 
it's those people working together whose everyday job it is to bring these things across. That's more or less um, where, where creativity finds the place in bringing innovation out in the environment and bringing that to a website and you can click and buy something actually, especially when it comes to digital services and digital solutions. There are so many stakeholders involved that have to work together in that specific moment, like magically things fall into place once the delivery process or the, the, the interaction process is started. So it only it is only meaningful to have these participants who are actually involved in the delivery of something part of the innovation process. So the expertise, all those experiences from these people can go into the solution and make that actually work sustainably and not only be a great idea in a presentation and on paper. You're talking about a wholesale cultural transformation, which is funny because we talk a lot about digital transformation and what underpins that is cultural transformation. And that makes sense. It's all about people. So Joan, I know that you have something to add to that. Well, I'm just really excited listening to Julia describe it. And and I think your last comment there about digital transformation, I always say that it's not digital transformation is not transforming to digital. It is transforming through digital. We transform organizations through the use of technology as a medium in the same way as I come up with a concept and then an idea for a painting. My medium is paint. In my work, you know, we work with organizations, with customers to co-create that concept, which is that, that big, the, the, the high level value proposition. That translates into so many ideas then we take those ideas and then they go into and that's in that's that whole concept and ideas part is in that artful knowing that full whole scale cultural appreciation of creativity and how it, it bubbles up in organizations and then it goes to, then it has to go through a process and artists are not crazily throwing stuff out there we all have a process too and you must adhere to your process to have a process is not to be not creative it is part of the creativity is to have a process and that's when it goes into design thinking because the design is the next part and so when i talk about artful knowing it's not about replacing the others it's about using that space and thinking about as an organization how we sense value, how we co-create value at that conceptual level, translate it into ideas, and then take it through to the execution. And then having a process of doing that, that it becomes implicit in everything that an organization does. And that for me is fostering creativity for innovation. And I think one thing that really sparks and where we where we both think very alike and where we also can learn more from this artist approach or towards innovation is dealing with uncertainty. In digitalization, there is much more complexity and there's much more uncertainty. You have to work in agile ways. The environment is changing super fast. The technology itself that we need, we, we use and utilize to go through these processes is changing super fast. So going to, to feel comfortable without knowing 
what's behind this fog that we're walking through is something where I can come back to your earlier question about leadership. That's something that you have to learn to adjust to and feel somewhat comfortable, uncomfortable enough with. I think that's a beautiful point. I have to jump in there, Chad, because it got me thinking about this concept in art around unintended outcomes. Julia is talking about the speed of change and the rate of change. The technology is changing all the time and companies needing to respond to that. And the worry there is that we can companies then can feel like, oh, my God, it's all changing. How do I deal with any of it? And ideas then start a process and then we get distracted by uh, and something else is changing. You have to stay the course with an idea. And then there will be other unintended outcomes that will spark other ideas. But every idea needs to be brought to conclusion without getting always distracted by the pace and rate of change. And it's really, really tempting to take a concept of value for a customer, come up with an idea, say we're going to do that, and then halfway through, we keep tweaking it and tweaking it and tweaking it. So all we end up with at the end is that one thing, and we've missed all of the other unintended outcomes by letting it happen, letting the process run its course and sticking to that process that we trust in that. And it's not about not being agile, but it is about as Julia said, trusting in that, you know, being comfortable with that uncomfortable, being comfortable with the ambiguous environment while maintaining the course on an idea that you set out to execute. It's very clear to me that you have developed this creative faculty. And I don't just mean in the art that you actually express on the canvas. I mean, the fact that you've thought about this and that your mind works in a certain way And I think about an organization and how there are many, many different types of people in an organization that span from extreme left brain to extreme right brain to the people who can bridge the gap. When we talk about a creative transformation or imbuing your culture with more creativity, or really it's more about exposing that creativity, we're not talking about suppressing the analytical right? We're talking about complementing it. So in terms of practical ways to do that, to achieve that balance and to encourage creativity, it sounds like there are really two different levels. One is just to encourage it at the workplace. And the second is to encourage personal development that will then have downstream, not necessarily directly measurable results. So how do you get that right in an organization? Yeah, I can see a third uh, stream besides these two that you already mentioned, because there is, and Siemens has quite a long history in that, giving channels for for both ways to sparkle. Like, uh, I think Siemens was very early in having internal and external open innovation Uh, platforms uh, for specific challenges and that is really to have creative people come in but also meet them with those left side brain technicians and bring them together and create ideas together and also 
there are so many programs and initiatives within Siemens that help people bring their ideas not only at the workplace in their day-to-day jobs, but also start new projects and have them become something new and develop new products. Like uh, very recently, just last week, the Werner von Siemens Award winners were announced and that's like 3,000 people engaging on about things that they do beyond their everyday job to become enthusiasts for innovation in Siemens. So it's there is a, a third thing where the structures in an organization can actually help both streams that you mentioned. If I just think about the community in which I work, you're right, I come in with a, an artist perspective on things maybe, but also I'm very, I always kind of describe myself as very left brain and very right brain. I'm very organized and very chaotic at the same time. So um, I, it's like I said about artists having a process. I have a process when I paint and I have a process when I approach a, a customer problem. And it's finding that that balance for and that space for creativity. And I think creating that culture where minds can meet so that there is space for me to be to, to think my way. And then there is space for somebody else to think in a much more structured, ordered, mechanical way. But what I think is beautiful is if you've got a culture in an organization where not only there is space for those people, but there is a mutual appreciation and respect for those perspectives that you create platforms where those people can come together and really collaborate. And it's the drive of the the artist is no more passionate and energized than the drive of the technical person to find a solution. And I think that's what's lovely. And everyone shares that passion and that excitement. We just come at it from different perspectives. And I think that's lovely if you can have that kind of culture of creativity in an organization, you're in really a sweet spot. I think I'm hearing the core motivation behind this idea of co-creation because you don't, you can't take an organization or you will be, you will, fail miserably if you try to mandate that people just be more creative in whatever respect that is, right? The idea behind co-creation, it sounds like the core motivation is to respect the individual's approach to whatever it is that they're doing and try to extract as much value together as possible by making one plus one equal more than two. As a consultant in project, it's oftentimes the challenge to go in and open up and widen the scope of potential solutions by i mean there is some some tools and means to to do that to to open the stage to set to set the scene and to to create an environment of let's let's be crazy together and let's be creative together and think about what ways, what different angles can, can we use to look at a specific problem? What is the problem actually? Like, can we rephrase that? What are sub- substitutes for a specific, a specific existing approach? Do we need to accept that? Or is there something totally different that could be done which substitutes something that's happening today? So that's really like opening up. But then in these co-creation pro uh, and 
like very on a very operative level in co-creation projects. It's also a means to collect and widen, but then also go back and close and select specific ideas, specific concepts to go forward with, and um, and also help people specify and and be um, disciplined about going forward with and keeping keeping the spirit of these workshops that every one of you has experienced and go forward also to the to those process, uh, steps in the pro innovation process where it sometimes hurts. I think there's a lovely aspect of curation that Julia has described there. And again, it resonated so much. And this is where I always come back to artistic process technology innovation, it's the same thing because I come up with a concept for a series of paintings, an idea, a con uh, not an idea, a concept. The concept is fragments, for example. And then I will come up with a number, a whole number of ideas for those, of what I could do around that concept. And then I think about those ideas and I narrow it a little bit and then go, okay, I will do designs for 15 paintings on this concept. And then I will go, nope, those five designs are never gonna make it onto a canvas. It will never, they, they won't, they, you get, they get curated down to the ones that I know will work most efficiently. It's not that the others are bad ideas, it's that these ones are better ideas. These ones best reflect that original concept. I've curated them down to the ones that I feel will be most effective that I can deliver, execute based on all economics, the allocation of scarce resources. I have scarce time for painting. Organizations don't have all the time in the world to pursue every idea. We have to go through a curative process of identifying the ones that we believe will be, will be most successful but that are still inherently true to the original concept. So that process applies equally, artistic process, technology. And, and in applying design thinking day by day, that's actually doing an early prototype, see if the prototype works, pick a few of those and develop uh, mock-ups, develop minimal viable products and Maybe, I don't know how you do that, Joan, but go out and test it with potential users and customers. Exactly, this, exactly the same. And I think it's, it's just, it's so, it struck me. And this is how the whole Solowit kind of thing sparked off on me is these 20, 35 statements. They were all about conceptual art. And I read through them and I'm going, they're not about art. They're about innovation because it's so the same. And that's the bit that got me originally thinking about all of this, about, well, if art, that whole idea of artistry and creativity is so like technology, how technology innovation, how can we borrow principles of art and see if they can help us be better as innovators? And and that's the thing about great art. All great art borrows from other artists. And now I'm liking the idea of borrowing from art and bringing it into innovation and to cultures in organizations that not only improves 
the the value of what we're delivering for customers, but also enriches the experience of all of the employees in an organization who feel that they're part of this co-creation process. This concept of co-creation, especially as a form of artistic expression in and of itself, is so powerful because there are so many different problems that are inherently solved. The first is just traditional communication problems. We, we see this in organizational dynamics. People have different ways of approaching things. And you probably are familiar with that. I don't remember the name of it, but it's, it's the face. It's like the black and white impression of a lady's face. And it can be two different things. It can be an old woman or it can be a young woman. And people see these differently. And eventually you can see it both ways. So there's this conflict resolution that often has to occur despite the fact that you are going for the same outcome. You see the problem differently. So the idea then is to embrace that and embrace that that will happen and be inevitable and to support that with this idea of co-creation and in the process, honor the MVPs and the experimentation that come out of it. And that's it for the first half of this interview, but we'll be back in a few days with the second half where we get more into the practical details on how you can inspire more productive creativity in your organization. So be sure to stay tuned and I'll catch you next time.